Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, the time has come to preview your reigning defending overlords of the college football universe, the Clemson Tigers. We have a very special guest with us on tonight. Uh, He is new to the podcast. You want to tell us a little bit about him? He is new to the podcast, gracious enough with his time to join us. Matt Connolly from the state newspaper. He's a beat writer for Clemson football uh, joining us tonight. Uh, Matt, how's it going, man? Doing great. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, Showing up to talk here about Clemson, of course, uh, the defending national champions. They are the defending four-time ACC champions. Um, Dabo Swinney really has that thing rolling in Clemson. Um, It it is – pretty clearly head and shoulders above anything else that's going on in the ACC right now. Um, almost to the point that it, it's, it's like everybody else is playing for second. And we, we almost take that game you know for granted anytime Clemson's playing is that they're going to come away with a win in conference. Um, one of the things I think that has really been a, a distinguishing thing about this, this staff and this program uh, that Dabo has been running is that there has been a ton of staff consistency there. Um, he has really, really done a great job of hiring great, talent coaching wise, but also retaining that coaching talent. It seems like these guys are pretty regularly getting offers to go elsewhere when they're just not taking them because they really like what they're doing in Clemson. Um, I guess, tell us a little bit about kind of that consistency, where it comes from and, and what role you think it's played and, and what they've built over the last couple of years as a football program. Yeah, I think that's played a huge role in the success that they've had. Um, you know, they had no turnover last year after winning the national title and winning by 28 points be able to, to bring your staff back um, after that is, is really incredible. Um, offensive coordinators, they've got co-coordinators and Jeff Scott and Tony Elliott and Tony calls most of the plays but they also, you know, they, they bounce ideas off of each other and Jeff calls plenty of plays as well um, and you know, for whatever reason those guys have stuck around. Um, they've had some opportunities. Uh, I think Tony is, is getting close to being ready to be a head coach but he's not ready to be um, one yet the right opportunity hasn't come along yet. Um, I think he would have left last year for the Georgia Tech job. Sure, it would have been awkward, but they really didn't even contact him. Um, and then, you know, on the other side of the ball with Brent Venables, probably the best defensive coordinator in the country. Um, he, he's got plenty of interest as well, but you know, he's making $2 million a year, and I really think it's going to take one of those top 10, top 15 jobs in the country, um, head coaching jobs for him to leave. So that's played a huge role. They just kind of kept her rolling right along and, and uh, helped with recruiting, helped with developing players, all of that. So that's a big reason why, you know, you just listed all their accomplishments. That's a big reason for a lot of them. Yeah, we talked about retaining the assistants, but let's talk a little bit about retaining Dabo Swinney, which they've had no problem doing. They signed him to a 10-year, $93 million contract extension in the offseason. Uh, Matt, Joey and I have talked about Dabo Swinney in regards to Clemson, his longevity there, because of course there have there have been murmurs about you know Alabama and would there be you know would Alabama how hard would they come after Dabo Swinney uh, when Nick Saban finally retires? But Joey and I have argued for quite some time now that it's in our opinions it's it's pretty unlikely that he would leave. At least we think it is just because of what he's building at Clemson. It feels like he's already building Alabama at Clemson. What's the sense around the program about Dabo's longevity at Clemson? It's obviously his job for as long as he wants it, but just how real are those Alabama rumors? Is it more just, you know, a nice story for national media, or is there more to it there? Yeah, I mean, I think at one point I thought that it was 
pretty likely that he would end up at Alabama one day. Um, and the more success he has at Clemson and the longer he's there, the less likely I think it is. Um, he just signed a, a new contract, $90 million deal. Um, you know, he's one of the top two high-speed coaches in the country. Um, you know, he had the Alabama clause in his buyout, which I don't think would you know, keep Alabama from pursuing him, but they'd be willing to pay it. It's not a ton of money. But at the same time, he was perfectly fine with that being in there, and I think the reason being, just he doesn't play with going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I've talked to a few assistants at Clemson. Um, I've talked to Dan Radakovich. I've, I've talked to Mark Rick, somebody who knows Denver pretty well. They've all pretty, um, pretty much they've all said the same thing, which is they'd be shocked if he leaves. So, you know, he's got a role in Clemson right now. He's kind of turned uh, Clemson into Alabama. And, and a lot of people around the country say it's like Alabama, but they have one one, and, and that's kind of from being around the program what it seems like um, in some ways just they they dance they do all the four things but they also want to cut a football game and so I think the way he has it rolling right now with his salary the way Clemson stepped up um, I'd be surprised if he goes to Alabama uh, whenever Nick Tapman retires or, or decides to move on. Damn it here I was thinking I was creative or innovative calling Clemson fun Alabama apparently everybody's been doing that already <laughs> Uh, something that they've tried to market themselves as over the last few years. Um, you know, they played Alabama four years in a row in the playoffs, and what most people think is going to be five in a row now. So, certainly lots of comparisons between those two, that, and kind of finding new ways to smooth that line will be over here. Matt, can you? Uh, I need you to settle an argument for Mike in particular. Uh, Mike was having an argument on Twitter the other day, and. and Basically, the argument was, is Trevor Lawrence better than Virginia quarterback Bryce Perkins? Um, Mike tends to think that he is. Do you? Would you tend to agree? I think Trevor's the best quarterback in the country. Um, just what I saw, what he did to Alabama last year as a true freshman in the, in the national title game. Um, I picked them to lose that game, and I honestly thought that they could get beat by 14 points or so. Um, and just the way he carved that Nick Saban defense up and ran up and down the field and everything um, he did. I, I I just think he's the best quarterback in the country, and um, you know, I'll have a hard time thinking that we'll could lose a game as long as he's there. So, yes, I would say he's better. Yeah, Matt, I appreciate you um... – you know, solidifying the fact that I am indeed not an idiot, I had to settle it with a uh, couple of rather irrational Virginia fans that were uh, clouding my mention. So I do, I do appreciate that. Um, I, I guess a follow up to to Trevor Lawrence, obviously um, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, in my opinion, he's the best quarterback in the country uh, heading into the 2019 season. Obviously, receiving all the accolades that he is, you know, a bona fide Heisman contender. Um, he's the favorite in some books. It depends on where you look. Him and two are, are one, two, uh, interchangeable at least. Where do you think Trevor Lawrence can most improve heading into 2019? Because he was so impressive last season, even as a freshman being thrown into the fire there uh, in late September when he took over the starting job. Where, where do you think he can most improve his game? I think... You know, it's hard to find um, a lot of things that he needs to improve, but I think one of the things would be reading defenses. Uh, there were still times last year where a blitz came and he wasn't really prepared for it and, and he didn't read it correctly and had to throw the ball away or got sacked and was scrambling to try to, to try to get out of a bad situation. So 
I think reading blitzes, reading defenses, um, Peyton Manning's a guy that he looked up to and, and was an idol growing up. And so I think that he wants to be that kind of a quarterback too, where obviously he's got the great arm and can make any throw, but also he reads defense and study films and knows uh, where blitzes are coming from. So that would probably be the biggest thing, um, you know, lining up protections and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then his footwork as well, just talking to the coaching staff, they felt like at times last year, he got a little sloppy with his footwork in the pocket, whether he um, you know, ran into a sack or, or ran into pressure where the pocket was still holding up or some of that kind of stuff. So those would be the two, um, I think, biggest things that this would mind a lot that he's doing wrong right now. Matt, a majority of the skill talent on offense comes back for Clemson next year, which is kind of scary, is that a lot of the guys that were really doing the most damage offensively were freshmen and sophomores, which is just bizarre. Um, but the one guy that they, they are losing that I, I'm very curious to hear if they've got a replacement for, um, do you know if Clemson has any kind of short, white, walk-on wide receivers that could replace the legacy that is Hunter Renfro? Yeah, I'm sure they have uh, plenty of walk-on receivers that think they're going to come be the next Hunter Renfro. Um, but I, <laughs> I doubt many of them are. I doubt anyone will. Um, that, that spot position where they lost him, Amari Rogers was slated to move over and start in the slot there this year. Um, he actually tore his ACL this spring, so he's ahead of schedule. They're hoping to have him back sometime mid to end of September. Um, I'm not really sure yet exactly when he'll be back, so that's a bit of a question mark going into the season. Um, Cornell Powell is a guy that could slide in there, and, and he's not a walk-on. He was a pretty highly rated guy, but He's going to slide in there um, early on. DeAndre Overton, another guy that's a bigger receiver, but that can also play the slot, um, will get a look as well. So, you know, Darian Kendrick, uh, was a guy I thought would maybe move into that role, and this spring they actually moved him over to cornerback, and he's one of the better cornerbacks on the team. It'll be a starter for them this year at cornerback. So, he he's not an option there anymore. Um, they have plenty of receivers, even with Hunter and uh, finally moving on. What are the other areas on the offense that are, you know, potential areas? I, it's hard to call them areas of concern with Clemson, but um, areas for us to watch out for that may need some um, early early development and some patience early on in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think tied in is a spot where they've got a hole right now. Um, you know, Braden Galloway was a freshman last year, and he was slated to move into that spot, that spot this year, um, and then you know, the Austrian suspension that he was a part of that, and so he's going to miss the entire year um, with him out. They don't have a lot of options there. J.C. Chalk is a bigger guy, um, a slower guy, not as athletic, more of a blocking cut in so far in his career. Right now, he's slated to be the starter. Um, you know, he knows the offense. He knows where to go. He, he's a good blocker, as I mentioned, but he's not really a receiving threat, which is what Clemson um, – you know, use this home and they're, they're tied in in their offense. They'd like to have a guy that can catch the ball as well. They've got a couple of freshmen coming in, Jalen Lay and Davis Allen, that are decent uh, options and then will be really good players at one point, but I don't think that they're necessarily ready to move into a starting role now. And I think you know, they'll try to bring them along some. And those are more athletic guys that are better passing options, but it's still going to take them a little bit of time to come along, I think. So tied in on offense will be the spot where I think there's a question mark, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go to more four wide receiver sets, um, at least early in the season, as they try to develop some depth there at tight end. 
Matt, defensively, there there is a lot gone, particularly in the front seven. Um, obviously, the the defensive line group of Dexter Lawrence, uh, Christian Wilkins, Cleveland Farrell, and uh, Austin Bryant, all of them gone, all of them drafted, uh, three of them drafted pretty highly. Um, and then even in, in the linebacker core, Kendall Joseph, Trey Lamar, and uh, J.D. Davis all gone as well. I mean, with the entire starting front seven to replace, usually teams would be pretty, pretty dang panicked about that and and trying to figure out where to, where to fit those missing pieces. But I also get the impression that there's not actually that much concern about being able to replace those guys and having that depth uh, in the front seven with Clemson coming into the year. Yeah. um, You know, they, they do have Isaiah Simmons back JD kind of was a, was a bench guy for them last year. Isaiah ended up moving into a starting role. Um, Going into the season, he had a really good fall camp and ended up starting for them. He had a great year last year um, as a redshirt sophomore. I think he'll be one of the better linebackers in the ACC this year. Um, and he, he was a guy that had a chance to go pro last year and, and thought about it and was one of the last names to pull, one of the last guys to pull themselves uh, out of the draft. So I think he's a guy that will go this year and have a really good year at that same middle spot and then probably turn pro and be a pretty high draft pick this year. Um, you mentioned the four defensive linemen they lost, and yeah, that, that's certainly a big loss. Uh, they have a lot of guys at defensive end, probably more depth there. With Xavier Thomas was the top five recruit in the country a couple years ago, and had some big plays last year. Came in and played well in uh, pass rushing situations. And then KJ Henry, Justin Foster, Logan Rudolph—they feel pretty good about their depth there. In the defensive tackle, it's a little different. Uh, Jordan Williams and Niles Pinkney were out the entire spring with injuries. So those are the two starters um, for them that they would have liked to have had some reps this year, kind of moving into that starting role. And behind them was a true freshman in Tyler Davis. So, you know, if Clemson's going to struggle some early in the year, I think it's going to be up front and trying to get those new guys adjusted and build depth there. Um, you know, the back end, they, they lost Trayvon Mullen, but other than that, they have everyone returned it and, and that was any to break. This is his best back seven he's ever had. So I think overall, when you look at Brent Venables and what he does with defenses, um, the way they've recruited, they'll be just fine. But maybe some growing pains early on, and as you mentioned, particularly with the front seven and everything they lost there. So there's still, I, like you mentioned, uh, it's more unproven talent than not having talent at all, obviously, when you're Clemson there up front in the front seven. But another place where Clemson's going to be uh, replacing a starter is it is their kicker. Greg Kugel's now gone. Um, who were the candidates to replace him at, at, at the kicker position? You know, if Clemson does get into a tight game, who are they going to look to there uh, as they move on from him? Yeah, B.T. Potter was a former Army All-American guy who's a really good kicker. Um, he, he did kickoff duties last year as a freshman, and I expect him to move into that starting role this year. He was battling for the job last year as a freshman, and, and Google coming off the toward ACL ended up beating him out and having a really solid year. But they really feel good about BC Potter and feel like he has a lot of potential and a chance to be an All American, All ACC top guy. So BC will um, certainly be the place kicker this year, um, I would think. Matt, let's look at the schedule here real quick, and I want to play a, a hypothetical game with you here. Um, let's just say, hypothetically, Clemson loses one game this year, and that's that's kind of a far-fetched scenario, but let's just say that Clemson loses once. They've got games 
Georgia Tech, Texas A&M, both at home, at Syracuse, Charlotte, at North Carolina, Florida State, at Louisville, Boston College, Wofford, at NC State, Wake Forest, at South Carolina. Is there one of those games that seems more dangerous than the others in particular, or do most of of these seem pretty pedestrian? I mean, I don't think they will lose a game. Um, If they did lose a game, I think the two most likely would be either at Texas A&M or at South Carolina. I'm sorry, Texas A&M at home or at South Carolina. Um, I'll go with Texas A&M just for the, the purposes of this hypothetical, just because it's earlier in the season. I think that defense is still going to be trying to put some things together. Um, you know, the game last year at Texas A&M that, that gave Clemson a lot of trouble, went down to the wire. A very, very tough game and hard-fought game, and they really had to hold on there at the end. And, you know, when you look at Texas A&M and, and Jimbo and what they've done um, in his first year there, and, you know, coming in this year with Kellen at quarterback, who puts in a struggle with some dual-threat guys. So they – they did lose a game, uh, which I don't expect to happen, but I think it would probably be that one. Um, you know, I, I just I could just see a scenario where they come in and they're not going to be intimidated. You know, Texas A&M, where they played you know, at Alabama every year, at Auburn, um, play all these tough road environments. And I don't think they'll come in and be intimidated. Um, so I could see that game being close, possibly in the fourth quarter, and maybe Texas A&M escapes with a win. Joe, are you on the record for 12-0 and as well? Yeah, I think that that would be probably the right record to predict there. I, I'm I'm with you, Matt. Twelve and zero, I, I think, is my prediction here. the The Texas A and M game you mentioned, though, is is definitely what intrigues me the most. Is like a game where it, there's a chance that they they kind of slip up here. I and it's it's not anything to do with with Clemson as much as it is A and M. That game was very close last year. There was a bit of a comeback effort from Texas A and M, but I mean that was what game one. For Jimbo last year, I think maybe game two. Um, game two, yeah, it was game two. Yeah, and so you figure, I mean, now they've got a whole season under their belt. They they got a better understanding of the roster and kind of what people are capable of and that kind of thing. Um, that's a game where there's there's plenty of talent there, and that could very well be a, a pretty wild, fun game. Um, I think that's your chance for Clemson to slip up. I I think that. Again, it's pretty clear that they are the, the most complete program in the ACC right now. I mean, and, and even if, if there's something that's kind of scary in the ACC, maybe it's Florida State, but, I mean, they, they get that game in Death Valley. Um, yeah. I The only other game, is, as you mentioned, is probably at South Carolina in Columbia, but I, I'm i just not seeing it. I'm going to go 12-0 and here, Mike. I, I, I don't think Clemson's losing this year, especially with as good as they've been on offense and, and – figure to continue to be unless there's an an injury to Trevor Lawrence and you know kind of causes some some reorganization on offense a little bit I mean I I, I have a hard time seeing any of these teams be beating Clemson I, I think Clemson's going to run the table and uh, we're talking about another playoff appearance here but I will say for whatever reason um, in the past few years in the ACC there's been a game that no one expects for Clemson to have a close game or for it to be tough that for whatever reason they do uh, Syracuse last year at Syracuse. The year before that, they lost. Pitt at home a few years back. Um, you know they, they've had some close calls and they've had some losses as well. So even in the even in the years where you know they've won the ACC and gone to the playoff and everything these past four years, there's always been a game that's gone right down to the end or that they've lost. So who knows? I mean, it, it wouldn't 
shock me if someone sneaks up, and I certainly don't think they're just going to run through the table and beat everyone by 40 points or anything. But, you know, the ACC, you never know what could happen, and maybe someone surprises us. So, would shock me if, if uh, they have another close game along there somewhere as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You think of, you know, a few years ago, they lose to Pittsburgh. They had the close call against NC State, like you mentioned, the last couple of years against Syracuse. But, again, Kelly Bryan, a little hobbled a couple of years ago at the Carrier Dome. You end up losing a weird game there. I believe that was on a Friday night. Um, they, they lose they, – they nearly, you know, nearly lose last year, but Trevor Lawrence was knocked out of the game, and it took all sorts of Syracuse heroics. I mean, I think that game at Syracuse will be a tough game, if only because, you know, Clemson's front seven will be tested in that football game, um, rushing the passer, uh, getting the ball um, out of the hands of Tommy DeVito, which – you know, I think that'll be a nice early season test for Clemson, um, primarily on the defensive side of the ball. But I, I don't anticipate them losing that game. And I, I'm with you guys. I think, you know, the South Carolina game at the end of the year, it is a rivalry game. Um, it is on the road. And, of course, Texas A&M, because I think Jimbo's going to have that thing humming here shortly. Uh, but, Matt, one last question from me. Um, it's on the other side of the conference. Who do you think is Clemson's most likely opponent in the ACC championship game because the Coastal Division, I mean, there are questions about the Atlantic, but the Coastal Division is wide open heading into 2019. Yeah, there was a, a local radio station here uh, the other day, a local radio show. One segment, they literally pulled names out of the hat to pick out their Coastal uh, Division order of finish, which kind of sounded about right to me. Um, I think I would lean Miami. Um, I think that they have a lot of talent there and they recruited pretty well and I do think that they have a chance to have a pretty good year and it could maybe um, play Clemson in the ACC championship again like they did a few years ago. I also think Virginia has a chance to be really, really good this year. Uh, Listening to Bronco Mendenhall at ACC kickoff, he he was basically telling people, look, we're going to be really good. Y'all should pick us. (laughs) Y'all should pick us to win the the division if you want to be right. So I think those will be my top two thoughts, but Really, I mean, I really think you can pretty much draw a name. I wouldn't be stunned one way or the other. Um, you know, I think it's pretty wide open. Mike, I think that's all I got. Yeah. You got any other questions for Matt while we got him? I, th- I think I'm good on my end. Uh, Matt, appreciate you joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, Matt, this has been a great preview. Really appreciate your time um, and, and appreciate your, your insights here on the Clemson team. Coming into 2019, um, do you want to tell people where to find your stuff here for just a minute? Sure, yes. I'm on Twitter. At Matt at the state. Um, I work for the state newspaper covering Clemson. So I have lots of coverage of Clemson and some other things as well. But mainly Clemson football and definitely Clemson football for the next six or seven months. But after that, I do baseball, basketball. Uh, I cover Clemson pretty much year round. So if you follow Clemson, give me a follow on Twitter at Matt at the state. Perfect. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime soon to check in on how things are going there at Clemson. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. All right, Mike. That's Matt Connolly. Uh, once again, he's at the state newspaper there in South Carolina. So go check him out and his uh, Clemson coverage. Um, we got to get out of here. We got to go preview some more teams. But in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can go find Matt Connolly at Matt at the state. Um, all one word on Twitter uh, for all of your Clemson coverage. So check him out there. Uh, Mike, they can send their questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. 
And we do have a couple of listener emails that have been sent to us recently, and we, we need to get to those here on a, on a show very shortly. We will try to make that effort and kind of fit that in the middle of previews. We'll have to see how that goes. For sure. But uh, thank you for sending those in for those who have. Uh, Mike, they can find us on iTunes, Google Play, the Overcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, basically wherever podcasts are sold for free. Yep. Uh, and you want to tell them where they can find us on social media? Yeah, Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Rate, review, subscribe, whatever you need to do, wherever you get your podcast app. It can only help Joey and I at this point, so make sure you do that for us. Please do, please do. We appreciate your support for uh, for those who have done that. Um, Mike, I think that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? I think we're all set, man. You want to go preview some more teams? Got to. We got to. We got to. The, the preview series rolls on. We, uh, we're making some good progress, but we got uh, we got a lot more to go. So um, we will uh, we'll keep doing that, and we'll uh, we'll get together here soon and talk about another team. Let's do it, man. All right. Well, for that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, for my, or Mr. Matt Conley, uh, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon, and until next time, go ACC. Yeah.